This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. What we do today is going to affect our psychological and emotional well-being six months or a year from now as we get out of the lockdown. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the SOS show. I'm Suchita. In this episode, we're going to talk about how there has been an increase in suicidal tendencies. Uh, also, people who are suffering from OCD and anxiety, how it's affecting their lives when it comes to the uncertainty of life and stress and isolation. Where can we ask for help? We're in conversation with Hovovi Bhavagar. Hovovi is a psychologist and psychotherapist with over 20 years of experience as a clinical practitioner. She runs her own independent venture, Manashni, at Pawai, Mumbai. Hovovi has been awarded Women Achievers 2017 by the Young Environmentalists and is also the recipient of Times Healthcare Achiever Award 2018 in the Young Achiever category from the Times of India. You can find her on her website, manashni.com, which we are going to put up in the description as well. Hi Hobovi welcome to our podcast uh, the SOS show Hi Suchita thank you for having me on the show I'm going to start the episode with this question of of course covid and the times that we are living in right now and uh, since you're a psychologist and a psychotherapist what are the kinds of traumas that you feel are emerging or have the possibility of emerging during these covid times of isolation stress unemployment and work from home so um trauma by itself i think is uh, going to be a part of all our lives in a either a small degree or a large degree mm-hmm. uh because these are very abnormal times to be in and yes. it's not definitely relegated to one population it's a pandemic so it's all over so all of us to some degree are facing something but um, if we look at um, the larger picture or the or the, the general uh, way in which people are responding to this mm-hmm. then definitely there's a lot of anxiety and uncertainty mm-hmm. and uh, we as humans we really thrive on certainty right yes we when walk into our homes at the end of a day we like to know what's there waiting for us we we would be very traumatized if an intruder was there okay mm. or we be traumatized if we opened the door and we found that we couldn't switch on the lights they were uh, there was a power off so we yes. like to live in certainty and an uncertain time like this can create trauma of um, varying degrees inside us anxiety mm-hmm. so we'll be living with this for a really long time i think even if the curve starts flattening you know we, a few of these uh, regulations start lifting mm-hmm. we are going to be facing that fear and uncertainty for a long time that's how our brain is designed mm-hmm. so we are going to be facing a lot of anxiety during these times and we don't know what is the timeline of that going to be hobby you would you like to sort of elaborate what kind of mental health issues we might possibly face uh, with these times so interestingly we had a study in the lancet that was released some time back just before you know um, the european countries started going into lockdown maybe around jan feb mm-hmm. talking about uh, how people responded after the sars outbreak okay. so when so when the sars outbreak happened uh, a lot of people were um, uh, affected but it was a pandemic but it didn't really impact uh, a lot of us many countries remained unimpacted 
but the lancet study found that uh, after the sars outbreak uh, sort of um, flattened and a lot of regions were declared uh, free of the epidemic mm. still people continued to stay over vigilant they mm. continued yeah their brains continued to be uh, in a state of hyper arousal they were um, instead of being calm and and you know approaching things with the same assured way that they did earlier they were a lot more hyper than they uh, would normally have been and uh, so so we have this learning from the 21st century pandemic that mm. even after after um, you know quarantine is lifted the psychological effects can be detected months or years later so we know that what we do today is going to impact our psychological health and well-being a lot in the future One yeah lovely things, yeah that's a great point yeah yeah so that's that's very important for us to understand that while a lot of things may uh, start getting better in terms of yeah. our finances the other crises around us the emotional health and emotional well-being is going to take some time to come back to normal and many of us are going to suffer post traumatic stress disorder that is what more and more studies are finding that's what the who is predicting which is why they are um, in fact i'm part of a large scale uh, indian uh, study mm-hmm. and uh, we are uh, uh, it's like an outreach program that we are doing to make sure that people are taking help for covid uh, right now rather than waiting 6 months later or 8 months later the earlier we intervene the quicker people move out of these uh, conditions and are not likely to develop ptsd later mhm so so what kind of help uh, can they reach for uh, and also what could be the possible symptoms that they can find in themselves uh, to realize that you know now they should visit somebody like you a clinical psychologist so sometimes the signs of crisis are very obvious such as a person may have uh, acute depression like they are not able to get out of bed for days or weeks on end they can't perform their daily chores they can't look after themselves mm. uh they can't take interest in their daily activities mm-hmm. or they lose interest in the things that they enjoyed earlier mm-hmm. so those are all the signs that would have been present even before the covid outbreak mm-hmm. and uh, for sure those kind of obvious symptoms require a person to immediately approach a psychiatrist Mm-hmm. other things that uh, people must watch out for are um, you know uh, more suicidal ideation is one of them yes. other obvious signs such as obsessions or compulsions yeah such as the person is constantly having thoughts in their heads uh, or a hallucination that is they're seeing things or delusions that is they're imagining things that don't uh, exist yes all of these require psychiatric intervention that is they need to call up their nearest hospital and book an appointment with a psychiatrist okay, okay. not a psychologist uh for these kind of acute issues no a psychiatrist intervention is always the best okay. but i'd say that as a first line of action it is better to approach a psychiatrist first because a psychiatrist will then guide you to a psychologist okay and will be able to tell the person that look this is something which will uh, which is not amenable that much to medication will do better with therapy mhm so a sure. psychiatrist is always the first um, uh, you know mental health practitioner that must be visited and must be called for an evaluation sure see the problem is that even now in the crisis situation that we are in and i'm saying mental health is at a real big crisis at this point and will yes. get worse as time yes. goes 
yes. people are still looking out for good psychiatrists or good psychologists. And I find that really mm-hmm. hilarious, you know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have calls, people calling me up and uh, the number of calls I'm receiving are just exponentially rising every single day. They they call up and ask uh, if I don't have uh, slots available or I'm not able to see them immediately and I refer them somewhere else. Then is this mm. person good or is this person bad? Mm. But the, the thing is that uh, that decision cannot be taken, you know, by just uh, reading up about the person online or you have to visit and be able to understand and take that risk Mm. and any help at this time is good help so it's important that they visit at least the nearest hospital rather than waiting for the issue to get worse and worse and worse till it has reached a crisis Mm. and the individual needs to then be you know hospitalized or um, another mental health crisis has happened or someone in the family has had a breakdown sure but tell me during these times Hogobi how can we reach for help? Suppose we want a help in the middle of the night, like 2 a.m., like this question I had uh, asked in the last episode as well. So where is the help? Are the helplines available? Where can someone reach at 2 a.m. in the morning? See, the helplines are very overburdened, but they are yes. definitely uh, something people can reach out to. Now, I had personally contacted a few helplines to get an idea about whether they are available in the middle of the night or... Um, available at really crisis times so a couple of um, ones that are available is uh, icon but icon is not available right in the middle of the night yes the other one is the vandriwala foundation that does a fantastic job so they have uh, counselors or at least someone to answer the phone even midnight okay so the first place to reach out to would be of course these uh, helplines but I would say that even if they call up the nearest hospital and uh, check at the uh, check for the availability of a psychiatrist or a doctor on call mm. and visit the emergency room, mm. then at least even if there is a, a intern there or a junior doctor or a senior and a senior specialist is not available, the junior doctor can at least administer a benzodiazepine or they can administer a muscle relaxant, something to calm the person down temporarily. And then call them back the next morning or then give them admission if they feel that the situation is really bad. Hmm, Sure. But when it comes to something like an OCD, like we were talking yesterday, uh, uh, hallucinations, delusions uh, and higher uh, anxiety, a panicky attack. What do you think uh, are the possibilities of this amplifying during these times and how can we help such patients? Talking about COVID, right? Yes. So they will amplify and they already are. There are uh, research studies coming up right now about how people with OCD are the worst affected, people with obsessive compulsive disorder Mm. and people with um, hypochondriasis. That is uh, those who have very high health anxiety. They worry that they'll be getting some uh, disease or illness, even Mm. if there are no signs of it. So people with OCD, for example, are uh, around the world are getting enraged. So those with obsessive compulsive disorder for them, what we used to call as irrational, right? When they wash their hands 10 times a day. Yes. Extremely germophobic. We used to call that as irrational at some point of time and an exaggerated reaction. Whereas in today's day, this is all normal. All of us are doing this. Yes. Right? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people with OCD are flouting their uh, medical, uh, the medical interventions. Uh, they are losing hope with their doctors and with their medical teams. 
saying that uh, you guys were telling me that uh, I'm being irrational, whereas now everybody's doing this. So who are you to tell me that my thoughts are irrational? Mm. Yeah, but the fact is, this is temporary for us. For them, it's permanent. Yes, right? yes. The contamination fears were there before COVID. They will intensify during COVID. They last after it also. Mm-hmm. Until mm-hmm. they take intervention. So for this group, it is extremely important they don't discontinue with their therapy or their medication at this time. Mm. And it is also two more points are very important for this group to assess for suicide risk because they feel hopeless very quickly. Mm. And the second thing is for them to stay away from too much news. The more news consumption they have, the more internet usage, this whole group of patients with OCD and hypochondriasis usually spend hours watching TV and absorbing media information in any case. And normally also. So Mm. they're going to be impacted a a whole lot more if they're going to do more of this during this time. It's going to impact their their levels of uh, energy, their levels of happiness. And along with the OCD, they develop depression, which by itself can be a secondary condition. Sure. However, I was actually talking to someone who has an OCD and he was describing me about various symptoms that he had in terms of uh, hallucinations and delusions. So if you could possibly explain uh, what an OCD is uh, for our listeners and also how is it different from other hallucinatory mental illness like schizophrenia? So obsessive compulsive disorder is, um, they are actually a group of disorders now. Mm. Uh, and uh, so obsessive compulsive disorder is where the person has obsessions that is recurrent thoughts for example a thought that I'm going to kill somebody or a thought that I'm going to get a particular disease or a thought Mm. that uh, I may go out in public and touch someone inappropriately so those are are known as obsessions in clinical Mm -hmm. terminology Mm -hmm. Now, when the obsessions continuously rotate in the mind and the person has them all the time, obviously anxiety builds up, correct? Like yes. a pressure cooker building up. And then yes. the, the person needs a release from that anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so in order to reduce the obsession, they have to perform an action. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the compulsion. Okay. Okay. For example, uh, if I come back home and uh, do not cross any tiles, while I'm walking back home, then I will definitely not touch that lady uh, in the bus that I was expecting I may touch or I had the obsession I may touch. Or if I feel I'm fear that I'm going to be getting this disease, mm. then if I wash my hands um, five times every hour or mm-hmm. 15 times every hour and uh, in that count, it could be five or 10 or 15 or 20, then I'm going to make sure I don't get this illness. So the compulsion actually acts as a soothing. It helps to reduce the obsessive thought, helps to reduce the anxiety. And then the person falls into a constant negative trap. Every time the obsession comes up, they do the compulsive action. And their entire day may go in just this. Okay. So, that's, yeah, so, the, so, they're, so they, they are consumed by routines around their obsessions and compulsions. Things have to be done in a particular order. And they're, uh, you know, everything from the time they wake up to the time they sleep, and I'm talking about severe cases of OCD, Mm -hmm. can be centered around the obsession and the compulsion. Mm -hmm. Now, the person you're talking about also had hallucinations and delusions. Yes. I'm I'm guessing they have 
uh, a combination of an obsessive compulsive disorder with a psychotic uh, component which basically okay. means uh, schizophrenia can be a standalone disease sometimes it happens uh, comorbidly with other diseases as well yes so uh, this is very different from ocd where the person so in schizophrenia the person may have hallucinations that is they may see things that are not there mm-hmm. or they may also have delusions such mm-hmm. as thoughts in their mind that are not true yes yeah for example god is speaking to me yes or i can see jesus christ in front of me or i am jesus christ yeah yeah those are those are all examples of a person who has uh, florid delusions and hallucinations mhm so like i said these rarely come as standalone conditions often they will be uh, in a clinical picture they'll be coming in as uh, combinations and uh, the first line of uh, help has to be from a psychiatrist okay because these are biochemical disorders mm-hmm. there are chemical imbalances that can be corrected with the right medication and are they sort of genetic or it can be triggered by anything outside in your environment that's a matter of a lot of debate so we have uh, enough studies that um, declare that it could be a combination of both and we have enough anecdotal and clinical evidence that suggests it's probably a combination of both because we have sometimes two parents who have ocd or schizophrenia or bipolar disorder and the child doesn't get it mm-hmm. the child doesn't develop any symptoms of it mm-hmm. and then there are some people who develop uh, this disorder but then you can trace back that some really distant relative had it yeah it's nobody in their immediate family has any mental illness so we can't really put the entire thing as a uh, you know mental illness as a genetic problem but definitely it's a it's the vulnerability if they have a predisposition and the environment also is stressful we do know that it becomes a conducive enough environment for the development of the illness sure how are we coming to the times uh, the today's times the covid times uh, if one is feeling suicidal or this is, there are societal tendencies in someone who is in your environment like we had this discussion in the last episode as well hmm. do you think they should be vocal about it do you think they should share that with their family do you think they should keep it hush hush and just meet a psychologist and or a psychiatrist and talk about it first actually suicide is going to become a, a really major issue i'm glad you're talking about this sure because i'm really concerned at some of the reports i've been reading Mm. and uh, the news that is coming in daily i would yes. say the number of cases that we are seeing of people exhibiting suicidal ideation and suicidal deaths are far mm. more than what we saw in previous years yes we don't have studies yet but i mean what other cause could there be except um, the virus and the fear that they will pass it on to others or the fear that they may um, you know of financial loss and various other things that are uh, causing the crisis to rise mm-hmm. but um, in suicide you know all i can say is that the worst thing to do is to stay quiet mm. sure for person having the suicidal thought mm. and for others who may hear somebody around them talking about suicide yeah so it it definitely should not remain a hush hush issue mm. and in india we are actually sitting atop the suicide table yes the global suicide table and this was way before the covid pandemic mm. and uh, in it's the biggest killer of 15 to 24 year olds 
there's more wow. more evidence coming in that uh, the younger age group don't really talk about their problems that much. Yes, yeah. Approach the right kind of people. So, you know, and there are so many myths floating around about suicide. For example, if you confront a person about suicide, it will make them angry. Yes. And it will increase the risk of suicide. Whereas it's the com- you know the complete opposite is true. The minute you approach somebody, they are actually looking out to uh, be approached, and you may have just prevented a suicide through a simple talk. Mm. And uh, you know, the fact remains that uh, we we are very uncomfortable as a society around these kind of um, issues. Mm, yes. so when we want to avoid somebody asking us uh, somebody telling us about their problems we actually want to avoid our own emotions we don't want to get in touch with you know our uncomfortable feelings so yeah. we likely to say really unhelpful things like oh it will get better or you've been doing better or you've been doing fine or uh, things will always get better or god will look after you yeah these are the most unhelpful things one can say so actually suicide will only get worse if we keep it hush hush it mm. will get better if we speak about it and death by suicide is becoming a concern that each of us has to individually take accountability for because in our own circle we would be seeing so many people and wouldn't and would be just shutting our eyes to yeah. this possibility <clears throat> as a therapist yes i i wrote an article about this in the mumbai mirror two sure. three years back Mm-hmm. where um, i i had a client who came to me mm-hmm. and uh, that that very next day after meeting me she uh, committed suicide a really young girl oh my god and, uh, when the police recovered her diary mm-hmm. and they recovered her um, you know the the, let- the letters she had written before she died she had mentioned very specifically that she she was clear about not letting on to me as a therapist that she was going to do this and oh. so if a person has the intention very strongly in their head yeah you still i mean just just sitting with them a little bit just talking to them a little bit mm-hmm. can be helpful however suicide is something that um, is so impulsive and so much in the minute yes right that yeah. we often know when the person will suddenly move over the brink and so we have to be very careful as a society and i'm talking uh, about this as a therapist somebody who should be much more aware about these things and um, you know i would say that sometimes i can also be so careless but uh, yes. if each of us can take our own um, can take you know one step forward we can do a lot for society sure when we are asking for help if the help is available for example an online help versus a face to face help what would you recommend in today's time we have no option <laughs> yeah of course yeah but but when we get into the new normal hopefully yeah i would say um i was strictly against telehealth and telecounseling yes and uh, i would get a lot and lot of calls from people in uh, remote areas especially where they don't have access to therapists and yes. there are loads of those areas in india mm-hmm. um so i had a policy earlier that i wouldn't see anyone for therapy unless they had met me in person 
Mm. And I think I'm I'm going to be starting to reverse those rigid policies a little bit mm. because uh, I'm having as equal amount of um, I would say um, I'm giving equal amount of help to my clients every single day in therapy uh, via uh, an internet medium as I'm able to do in face to face. However, that said, there are still lot of restrictions to online therapy. there can be uh, nothing to replace the availability of a therapist in the same room as you mm. correct yes for example uh, let's say somebody has a very high uh, fear or very high phobia right mm-hmm. it's very difficult to deal with them unless you're sitting across them and are working with them through the steps of dealing with that phobia right yes yes Or, let's say somebody who is um, very disoriented mm um is not able to stay in touch with the surroundings what we call as a uh, derealization and depersonalization we can't really help them via an online medium we need to be with them face to face to be able to get uh, the best help that they can so i'd say not that telehealth can't replace face to face counseling but when you have no option like if you're in a remote area or you're in a situation like covid then that's all you have and that's the best you have mm-hmm. sure and what are some of the things that we can do in terms of taking care of ourselves now in today's times so i think um, first is we don't have to look at this pandemic as really all negative yes it is definitely teaching us lessons we wouldn't have learned otherwise yeah we i mean maybe sometimes we just need a sharp knock on our head or in this case it's like a sledge hammer on our head but mm. so we need something like this to become self reliant responsible Mm. So we uh, we need to understand what is true intimacy mm. i think that that is very very quickly missing in our world you know because of yes. the us misusing the internet we were using mm. the internet actually to stay disconnected from one another uh via these anonymous uh, ways of connecting but uh, we will start valuing or cherishing closer connections so what we need to do today is recognize the good that the pandemic is bringing with mm. it mm. right like living within a budget looking yes. after our health mm. uh, cherishing the time we have with our loved ones all of that that we do today is going to make sure we emerge healthier from this crisis later mm-hmm. and uh, we we have evidence from the past about how crises like this have affected people world war 1 world war 2 sars outbreak even what happened um, Uh, with the spanish flu yes all of these are our lessons from the past and history in itself stands as evidence about what we do today helps tomorrow mm-hmm. so we really need to take a lot of care of ourselves by practicing kindness towards ourselves and others for example and making sure that we do things for the community because uh, no more is it about our selfish need of going out there and buying you know one packet of bread mm right even as simple things like um, uh having to rely on our society to order bulk supplies that in itself shows that we need to have more community outlook yes also need to be uh doing a lot more f- and and looking at those people who are not even getting a meal a day yes and here here we are wasting food because we don't like how it's cooked mm. so there are lots of things that this pandemic is teaching us and it's important that we imbibe the lessons in a very mindful manner 
and it's also important that uh, those who are quarantined and i don't mean those who are practicing physical distancing i mean those who are quarantined those who got the covid and uh, who had to stay absolutely isolated they start taking or reaching out for mental health care immediately because they will be the most impacted uh, they are going to have fear of death they are going to have guilt about passing it on to others mm-hmm. so earlier they take help the better mm-hmm. and so they have to re- reach out to professionals and and take help help is available there are mm. protocols being designed specifically for the covid crisis and for uh, for the impact of immediate trauma mm-hmm. yes and there are helplines available like the tis helpline is there so yeah. reaching out to therapists if you've been diagnosed with covid is essential because what uh, what people don't understand is though they may be okay today they won't be okay tomorrow so reaching out to a therapist especially when we are you have been diagnosed with covid is the most important thing right. take precautions now yes absolutely Vavi thank you so much uh, for your time uh, really appreciate your thoughts and your experience sharing with us most welcome and i hope this has been helpful if you need anything more let me know absolutely so guys don't be scared to talk about uh, what you're going through in this phase with your near and dear ones it's okay to share even the suicidal tendencies that you might be feeling and you might not be aware of it's okay to share that you are depressed it's okay to not be okay and sharing is caring And of course you know where to find us uh, in case you're looking for us uh, on any of the podcasting platforms everything in the description and you can also find us on our twitter handle epilog media and metaphysical lab the same goes for instagram and in case you want to share any of your personal stories with us we are here listening thank you guys uh, this is suchita please take care and stay well